Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I forgot I was hosting, Mark. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was waiting for Rick to uh, intro us. Uh, Mark Owen, welcome. I'm getting a ton of feedback. It's my first time hosting. Uh, welcome to uh, our first round recap of the Scottish Open. How are we doing? Well, good, man. Um, I, I watched some of the golf earlier this morning. Um, PGA Tour Live doing such a great job of making it available. And then... Uh, and then I watched a little bit yeah, after I'd given my morning lessons because, of course, I'm at home and, and was, you know, Lynx Golf is fascinating and I love it. And everything about it is just so pure golf, you know, and the, the, the target, you know, carry number stuff of the United States goes away. And you can see a guy hit it to 50 feet in the front in the fairway and be better off than a guy who's 30 feet just off the edge of the green. So it's so much fun. There's so much strategy and stuff involved in watching it on TV is, is, is a thrill for me. Yeah, I agree. We're going to get to all that. But first, uh, I wanted to remind everyone that we are a nominee. The First Cut Podcast is a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all you guys do for us and hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us. Or maybe you just are interested in Mark enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. So to nominate the First Cut, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. That's podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. And then toggle down the sports category. The whole process will take you uh, less than 60 seconds. So less than it took some of these guys to read uh, their putts in the first round. And we've included a link at the top of the episode description as well. That little uh, QR code that you see at the top of the episode. So hopefully uh, everybody either has done that or will do that. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. Mark, um, Cameron Tringali. Nine under. Uh, He shot it in the early wave, probably the time you and I were both getting up and watching. uh, Shot a 61. What did... What do do we make of Cameron Tringali shooting a nine under? He's kind of infamously not one on the PGA Tour. This would be... You know, you, you think about winning for the first time. This would be a... This would be massive. I mean, this would be a big deal for him to go out uh, and contend to to get his first win uh, at this tournament. What did, what did you make of him shooting 61 in round one? Well, what I made of it, and this is with the utmost respect, of course, to Cameron Tringali, is that in Lynx golf, you see this sort of stuff. Like if you watch the Open Championship next week at the old course, someone's going to get out early before the weather and, and post a really good number because the greens aren't that fast. And if you're hitting the ball well, you can take advantage. And you see some names that you wouldn't ordinarily expect expect to top the leaderboards, but the truth is there's there's a whole lot of time left. I mean, there's another 54 holes, and we saw late in the afternoon here today where, you know, one one hole could unseat you in the biggest way if you're not careful. So, look, Cameron's played well. I, I recall earlier this season being on the CBS, the West Coast swing there, where, where I, he was in a group that I covered on the weekend twice. And he didn't necessarily go away. He just didn't shoot low enough. So 
the game is there. He's done a lot of work. He's gained power off the tee over the recent seasons. And and people tend to forget that when he when he was in college, you know, he was a stud at Georgia Tech. And he was taking care of, you know, some really hotshot guys that um, now play on the tour. So he's always had some quality about him. Um, he just hasn't finished one off yet. But, you know, that's that's kind of the the rub on the uh, the guy. But he's a heck of a player. And, and, and I'd like to see him keep on going because the kind of player he is, you know, with the resume he had in college, maybe if he gets that first one, maybe it opens it up and and we see Cameron Tringali 2.0 for the rest of his career. But who knows? Uh, I just know this, that we still a whole, uh, it's a long, long way from the finish. Yeah, it is a long, long way. And I think to your point, I, I don't know if we have this graphic, uh, producer Jacob, but the afternoon wave was about three shots harder uh, than the morning wave that Tringali played in. So if you look at it like that, um, it's, I mean, it's beneficial that he got out early and, and shot 61. Uh, and he got, he kind of got rolling in the middle of his round, but it's also, it could flip around the other way on, on Friday, right? He could get the bad wave. And then all of a sudden these kind of horses behind him, uh, start running around. I, I thought it was interesting, Mark. And I, I don't, I didn't know what you made of it, but there's only one top 10 player in the world inside the top 15 on this leaderboard. And we made a lot going into this week about, and look at this field, 14 of the top 15 guys in the world, so many great players. And then for for various reasons, none of them really kind of showed out on Thursday. Was that to you a is that just like switching to different kinds of courses? Is that a weather thing? What what, what did you make of that? I would say sort of all of the above, but but the thing that I noticed, you know, as I watched the later coverage when the green slowed down, because the one thing people must bear in mind as we watch this Lynx Golf run for the next few weeks is conditions are purposefully kept slower on the greens because of winds like we had today. And with humps and hollows and stuff all over the show, if they, they shaved these greens a bit, the ball would start oscillating and play would have to uh, cease. So they always keep the greens a little slower. So if you watch these guys, and they're typically the guys that play the difficult golf course as well, and a difficult golf course is normally firm and fast on the greens. Yeah. So they're having to play a lot more break and sort of feed balls into the cup. So if you watch, you know, guys, today I, I saw a number of those makeable range putts, you know, sort of 15, 10 feet and in. If they were missed, if it wasn't short, they'd be missed on the high side because these guys are used to reading higher lines. And it takes a little getting used to. Now, um, the guys that came over and played uh, the McManus Pro-Am, they were playing on bent sort of poanio grass, which was a little faster. The guys went and played some Lynx golf over in Ireland and Scotland, wherever they did. They could have got used to it some, but then that, again, is just playing around with your buddies. You know, under pressure, stuff ramps up in the big way, and then you add to the fact wind. And the wind over there is heavy. You know, a 15-mile-an-hour wind here in the States just feels different to a 15-mile-an-hour wind over there because of the moisture in the air. And and 15 miles an hour, man, it has a big effect on ball flight in terms of the help downwind, certainly the hurt into the wind, and then the crosswinds make it difficult. Then you add to that, you know, you've got six, seven feet that you have to hit harder on the green. Then the wind's sort of buffeting you and you can't keep stable. It just adds an extra wrinkle to the equation. And that's why it's part of the reason why I love this format, because you can essentially sometimes throw the yardage book and the form guide out of the window because it's whoever can manage the conditions and the adversity the best at the time, which to me is a large part of golf at the highest level. Well, how much, I'm curious about this. You hear players talk all the time and, and you would know this 
a lot better than than I would just being out there and coaching and different things like that. But how much does a wind like that affect putting also? Because you look at the top of this board and it's a lot of guys that played early when it wasn't as uh, kind of gusty and Cameron Tringali gained five strokes on the greens. Uh, Gary Woodland, who's in second, gained four strokes on the greens. Justin Harding gained over four strokes on the green. Rasmus Hogard gained four strokes on the green. So all these guys that play early really, I thought, uh, kind of had their way on these greens. And then some of the guys that play later struggled more. How much of that is, do you think is due to wind? I think wind's a big deal. I think a field of 160 players is a big deal too, because that's a lot of traffic around holes um, a day long. And so if you're out there early, you've got some fresh greens, you can expect a little bit more consistent a roll around the cups. And if you watch the speed that balls were having to go into the hole uh, this afternoon, anyone watching the, the the broadcast, if you miss one of those and it catches a gust or gets on some grain a little bit and you've got four or five feet coming back or three feet even, those get uncomfortable. And the wind then exacerbates that because the wind is making it hard to keep one's balance and make a stable stroke. And you add to that, then they have to con- consider wind on a reed. And let's say you've got a six-footer, you're aiming outside the right edge because the wind's off the right. And then it just gusts off when you hit it and you just blast it through the break. So it's, I wouldn't say it's fortune that's involved, but wind makes it harder and, and a big field, you know, traffic on greens is a real, is a real deal. And we saw that this afternoon. Yeah. I was watching early on and, and, uh, Scotty Scheffler who did not play very well, he could not figure out the greens. I mean, he was, he was talking about how like he was hitting the exact line and it was moving all over the place. And I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting sort of wrinkle uh, in terms of links. So the only, the only top 10 player in the world, uh, I think he's still in the top 10. He might be just outside the top 10. The only top player in the world that's inside the top, I guess, 14 on this leaderboard is Sam Burns. He shot three under, but then once you go down to that T15 group, Mark, uh, at minus two. So that's seven back of Tringali and just four back of Gary Woodland, who's in second. You've got uh, John Rahm. You've got Jordan Spieth. You've got Cam Smith. Uh, you've got a, a bunch of kind of interesting names sitting right there. Who who out of that group kind of caught your eye on on Thursday as, as you look at who's going to contend in this tournament? Well, quickly, before I get to that, I do want to say, too, with the seaside fescue grass they have on the greens, too, and you talked about the ball sort of sidewinding some. You do see that. If you get close-ups, you'll hit putts, and you see the ball just fishtailing a little bit yeah. to, to Scotty Scheffler's observation. So that makes it hard, too. Um, but of that group you list, me personally, um, I, I'm very interested in Tyrrell Hatton. Um, he, he's played the old course tremendously in years past. He's won the Daniel Links Championship a couple of times. Um, he, he doesn't strike one as a real Lynx player because he hits the ball quite high. And, you know, you can get a little wound up, which doesn't behoove a guy that's going to get gusted and stuff on a Lynx golf course very well. But he's jumping out to me because that was a pretty solid day he put together. But then again, you kind of avert your eyes from guys like John Rahm and Jordan Spieth and guys like that. You know, Rahm's had success in Ireland. Jordan, of course, has won an Open. Um, and so, you know, they cast a pretty big shadow. But the reality is of it now, they've got to get out tomorrow morning. And I think the hope for those guys Pardon me, they played uh, this morning. They get out tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. And, and the hope for them is like, my goodness, um, I hope this 20 mile an hour westerly that's forecast, which is was the same as what we saw today, sort of remains true because there are some holes you can attack and there are some holes that you just play defense, like the final three coming in. 
But if that wind flips a little bit, that might be a situation that no, no one's seen. So uh, I think it's all on the wind right now. And I think tomorrow evening we'll have a really good idea as to how this whole thing's going to shake out. My the, yeah. the, the wild card for me, Kyle, is, is does the wind get to blowing from tomorrow morning on? Because this morning it was sort of light right. and easy. And then it got nasty this afternoon. The winds in these places, from all of my Lynx Golf experience, you can wake up in the morning and look out the window and it is humping it. And yeah. if that's the case, I think all bets are off. And all of a sudden, um, the guys that got out to the real low one today, they could have a real advantage and we could see a pretty high cut number. Yeah. Well, and and to that point, I mean, guys like, and I feel some people were talking on Twitter about this, but guys like Justin Thomas, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, JT, I think has gotten every worst way, like every like the wrong side of every draw that you could get this year. He get, had it at the PGA, went on to win, and had it at the Players' Championship. Uh, he shot three over. Hideki shot three over. Uh, it looks like Scheffler ended at three over. So there was a lot of big names that sort of uh, struggled in maybe ways that I wouldn't have expected, especially uh, Victor Hovland was four over in the morning group. I watched him a little bit. He was with... I think he was with Rom and uh, I can't remember who else was, was in that crew, but it was, that was not the group. Even Rom didn't hit it that great, but kind of saved himself with his putter at times. So that, that was not the, the group, the wave that you wanted to necessarily struggle in, because like you said, it might, you might get the same weather tomorrow. And then if you're playing like that tomorrow, you're going to shoot not four over, but like 14 over in, mm -hmm. in that win. So I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on, on Friday afternoon. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, with respect to Ram, I've been a little interested in how the golf swing's been developing over the last little while because he's getting a little narrow in the downswing, and and I feel like that's sort of making it hard for him to drive the ball as well as what he normally does because that's kind of the calling card. Um, as as far as the other guys go, if you look at how the golf course shook out, I had two main takeaways. First off, there was some low round shot in some nice bright and breezy conditions. And then the golf course, when it got harder, tripped people up. So it spoke to me of just a really good Lynx golf setup. Because setting up these golf courses is challenging because any maritime sort of a golf course, you know, the forecast could say one thing, but you get one storm that rolls in off the ocean and then it's entirely another. And then sometimes these on-the-edge hole locations can play kind of silly. We've seen that in U.S. Opens. So I thought the golf course was set up great because it was going to penalize bad shots and it rewarded good play. And then secondarily, if you look through the scorecards of all the guys that played a little later, you know, they all went out in like even par around there, sort of in the game, if you will. And they all came in at a couple three over. Uh, Fleetwood, who was playing alongside Matsuyama and, uh, and JT, is my one and done pick. He battled, he, but he played his last three holes in two over. So I think this was, the setup was great. I just think the afternoon guys, honestly, with par being 70 on the card, I would say par of this afternoon was probably more like 71 and a half, maybe 72 at a stretch. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree. Uh, we got a couple other things to talk about, uh, actually a couple of Rory McElroy related items. Uh, so we will get to, uh, actually, yeah, we'll do that. And we'll do a, We'll look at odds and, and, uh, kind of what we think about round two after we take a quick break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. Okay, uh, before we get to the Rory stuff, Mark, let's look at producer Jacob. Can you pull up the odds for uh, for the Scottish Open starting uh, starting in round two? Just what, what that looks like uh, as we go into... Uh, the second day over there, it's been an interesting. Yeah, I, I've been so excited, Mark, just about these two weeks in Scotland. And I thought Thursday was a nice, you know, it, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was a nice kind of entry into all, uh, you know, kind of what the Scottish golf is going to look like. So we've got Cameron Chingali at the top here, four to one to win. Gary Woodland at eight to one. Sam Burns is. Uh, three under, so he is six back of Tringali. He's nine to one, and then you go down with kind of some of those names that we mentioned with Rom at nine to one, Cam Smith at fourteen, Mito Pereira, who's been playing great at sixteen, uh, and then Jordan Spieth kind of rounds it out at twenty. Is there anybody there that you saw or kind of studied on Thursday that that interests you for round round two and beyond? Um, yeah, I, I think Sam Burns is fascinating. I I wasn't sure about him. I'll be honest, and I know he played well. At this golf course last time around, um, but to to me, I, I hadn't been awfully convinced um, of late. And and for him to get out and play the way he did, and he sort of navigated himself well around some of the poor shots he hit, to get in at three under, I think at that number you got him over there. You you better lay the money down because that number is going to get smaller as the week goes on. Um, and the same sort of goes for the Rams and the Spieths and these sorts of guys who. We just know how to survive through a four-round golf tournament where the conditions are adverse, and there's more of it forecast. Tomorrow, the winds are going to be the same. Over the weekend, the winds should be lighter, but that also doesn't mean anything because the golf course is going to evolve, and it does every day. So you have to sort of give advantage to to experience, um, give some advantage to folks who've got that guile and that that just that ability to hang around, you know, when the going gets tough. And and Jordan's one of those guys. Um, and Matt Fitzpatrick is proving that after winning a U.S. Open, he can do the same sort of thing. So um, I, I would say right now, Burns is probably the most fascinating to me just for the number that he's at. Well, I think I think Burns is really interesting, Mark, at, in this these sort of conditions. Because if I'm looking at uh, ball height, like the there's a there's a great stat on pjtour.com uh, called apex height so you can see kind of who hits it high who hits it low mm-hmm. uh different things like that uh, sam burns is ranks 36th on that he's the 36th highest ball flight on the pga tour now that doesn't mean he can't hit he can't fight it uh tommy fleetwood's 20th and we know how he can fight it through the wind but is that is that something with Burns that concerns you, uh, not just here this week, but at the Open Championship next week at St. Andrews? No, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, hitting the ball up to an, 
120 foot apex or whatever it might be is one thing. It's the speed of the ball once it hits that apex that's going to have it cut through the wind. And and he gets the ball up to the top of its flight fast, and it has a lot of energy up the top there. And if you had to imagine the trajectory from a profile, imagine you're looking at like a supernatural table, and someone was below it, and they threw the ball onto the table, then it rolled across the table and rolled off the other side. That's what the ball flight looks like when Sam Burns hits it, where a lot of folks hit the thing up into an apex, and then it comes out the air at a bit more of a steeper descent. So no, I, I'm not concerned with him with a high ball hitting. Uh, the ball's sort of low spinning and fast. And then if you look at some of the great open champions and Tom Watson, he's won five of these. He just hit the thing straight over the top of the wind. He never really flooded the thing down. Nicholas, also a high ball hitter. Greg Norman, one of the great drivers of all time. He hit the thing high. And so, look, they have the shots that are low when they need to. But if they've got certain wind directions, you know, certain guys will choose to fight the wind. And certain guys play with the wind. And Watson and all those sorts of guys were those sorts of people. So I feel like maybe because Sam Burns has been under the counsel of David Toms, who's a, one of the great minds in the game and a major champion, maybe Toms has prepared him for this sort of stuff and say, look, you don't have to modify in your game too much. Just hit the right shot. Whatever window you see it in, hit it flush, pick the right shot, and you're on your way. Is when when you talk about that kind of tabletop, a ball coming off a tabletop, is that is that what you're referencing when you talk about hitting a heavy ball? Yeah. The, the, well, a heavy ball doesn't get sort of buffeted by the wind. Now, look, every ball when it's launched is launched at a certain speed, and then it loses energy, so it slows down. Uh, the heavy ball, to me, just keeps its speed up. And because of that, it's not stalling in the air. Um, and a high sort of a spin player with longer clubs, they stall balls in the air where it burns. He hits the thing hard, man, and it goes. And you know, he's, he'll, he'll cut holes in the wind at times. And, and there's certain guys that do that. Hovland is another one. Um, of course, Rory. Um, they, they just hit the ball that is, is really solidly struck. And it, it doesn't ever look like it's a plane that's flying with a nose into the air. You know, it's always it's going as efficiently as what it could. Yeah, I could talk about just ball fights and heavy ball, just all that stuff all all day. But we need to, speaking of Rory, uh, we need to move on. He actually, so we got a couple of Rory things here. So one, I don't know if you saw this, Mark, but uh, Rory and Tiger played a, a, a round, a, a match actually at uh, Bally Bunyan on Thursday. And it was, it was, you know, people freaked out and took pictures and the whole, videos and the whole deal. But it was actually, it was kind of a cool, just window into just two guys trying to prepare for the open championship at one of the great courses in the world. Uh, I guess my first question is, have you been to Ballybunion and what did you think about them playing together? I have not been to Ballybunion. Um, of my Lynx experience in Ireland, um, it's Port Rush and it's um, Royal County Down, which are two of the greats, I mean, of all time. And they're just hard. And, and I find the course selection somewhat interesting because I wouldn't say it, it really is perfect preparation for the old course which is fairly flat with crosswinds um but maybe it's just a situation where they thought well we can get away from the prying eyes and stuff and just play some golf and get used to you know hitting different shots and playing off different lies and i'm just i'm keen to find out who leaked the information that were they were there <laughs> i was prompted he goes so where are you going to play and he goes well i'd rather not tell you because i don't want you guys to come and bother us so I'm sure they pulled. Well, a, I'm sure they pulled a gallery when people found out. But yeah, you know, this is what these guys do. They just they're in the grander scheme of things, they're just golfers. And, and and when you've been playing a certain style of golf all year, which they have, well, not Tiger, but you know what I'm trying to say. 
you know, to get over there and suddenly flip your mindset, um, not just to hitting different shots and, and having the club interact through the turf differently and, and, and sometimes playing away from hole locations to 40, 50 feet, which is a good shot. That's a mindset change. And if I was McElroy, now who's won an open, incidentally? Tiger was the master defensive guy, I think, of all times. He, he reminiscent of Jack Nicholas. And I think playing around with Tiger around a place like Ballybanion would have been an eye popper for Rory. And I think a, a real way, good way for him to sort of see, okay, he has the, the, arguably the greatest of all time, not necessarily flag hunting on every single shot. Yeah. It, it, it was funny to see. Because in some of the videos, you could see just people like you and I walking with their cart, like push carts in the background. And and if you're if you're one of those guys out there, you look over, you're like, oh, there's 19 majors and and 103 PGA Tour wins or whatever. I, I did I did uh, uh, hear uh, from a source. Little birdie told me that uh, Team Rory beat Team Tiger five and four uh, in their match on Thursday. So. Well, whoever was on Rory's team, I'm not that surprised. I mean, the guy, <laughs> playing, he's, he's playing at a level right now that's, I wouldn't say incomparable, but he is looking pretty smart. And and I will, and I, I don't mean to sound like some prophet, but but I, I sort of saw the trend a ways back and I know I was beating the drum and you were laughing at me because his numbers were bad and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden it seemed to click in Scotland. Uh, no, pardon me, in, in Canada. And he just looked virtuoso there. So I, I feel like he's probably the guy who you have to stay in front of next week if you want to win. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, we did hear from Rory uh, on, I can't remember what day. I think it was Tuesday at the uh, at Adair Manor at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. Uh, it was kind of the first time that he had spoken since the Live Portland event. There's The timeline on all this is just a circus, but... Uh, he had some interesting comments, Mark. There were some comments that maybe the the tone of which maybe we haven't heard from Rory before. I'm going to read a couple of, to, a couple of them to you and just kind of get your reaction. He said, uh, okay, so Rory said, it's messy. I wish it hadn't have gotten that messy, talking about kind of the PGA Tour live golf divide. In hindsight, I think there were probably steps that were missed that, that wouldn't have made it as messy. I think in the long term, it will make the game better. And here's where it gets interesting. He said, right now, there's this disruption that's happening. With disruption comes change and forced and forced change. And I think this has just sort of forced the PGA Tour's hand a little bit. They're going to have to adapt and change. And I think that's what they're uh, going to have to try and do. And then he said, I think he was asked if there's going to be any sort of peace talks, which it sounds like we're talking about World War III yeah. in the golf world. I guess we sort of are. But peace talks between the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Live Golf. And he said... And this is where maybe we haven't heard this tenor from him. He said, I think that needs to happen. There's so much chat about where the money is coming from and Saudi Arabia and everything else. They sponsor so many other things. They're all over sport. I understand people's reservations with everything. But at the same time, if these people are serious about investing billions of dollars into golf, I think ultimately that's a good thing. All the narrative that it isn't good, it's splitting the game instead of everyone coming together. I think everyone needs to try to come together a little more. Uh, fascinating. What 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 was your reaction to that when you heard it? Honestly, my reaction is as I wish people would stop asking Rory McIlroy about this stuff. I mean, <laughs> no, no, truth. Seriously, hear me out here. This guy has been sort of the point guy for the PGA Tour through this entire debacle, and he gets asked the same questions week in and week out. 
And he's an intelligent guy, and, and he's candid and thoughtful in his answers. And I, I think to he's just to a place where he's like, I don't know of a, another diplomatic way to say the same sort of stuff. So maybe he sort of said what was on his heart a little bit. But I would, I, I want to be like, people just stop asking him the question now. And, and what he said about, look, them being all over golf or sport or whatever the case might be, that's a reality. And yes, perhaps down the track, uh, the, the bodies need to get together and, and hash this out. But it isn't what it is right now. And all I can say is, leave the guy alone. Let him play some golf. Stop asking questions about it and just let the thing shake out and let the future kind of take care of itself. Um, I, I feel like, look, look he, he, he has a responsibility to ask the questions because he's on the PAC, the Player Advisory Committee. But if, if, if I was McElroy by now, I'd be like, hey, look, guys, I've told you how I feel. Let's just move along. That, that honestly is my take. I, I don't disagree with that. I was actually thinking about how exhausting it must be to hear this question every single time you're, you're interviewed. But I, I do think there was a little bit of a shift here because I don't think that before, well, two, two, in two ways. One, he sort of said, like, I've heard him before say, and this might have been a long time ago, um, say something like, you know, I don't really love where the money's come, coming from. And I think he was talking more personally rather than like throughout the sport. So that's a different thing. Uh, but I think uh, so, so he, he was a little bit uh, less hardline on that. And I think the other thing, maybe even the bigger thing is talking about how the PGA tour DP world tour and live golf might all come together. I don't think I've heard that specifically from him before. A lot of people have said a lot of things, so I might've gotten lost in that, but that to me was, I, I think my follow-up to that just in thinking about it in my head is, well, what does that even look like? What does it look like for all these groups to kind of come to the table together and, hash something out. I don't, I don't even, I, I'm fascinated because there's going to be follow-up on this, whether you and I like it or not at the open championship. But I'm just, I think I'm curious to ask him like, what, what does that even look like? Well, um, I, I think you might've mentioned it when you read some of the transcript of his answer toward the end of his answer, he said, well, all of those things you highlighted. And then he also said, look, I'm just aggravated about folks who wanting to have their cake and eat it. Speaking about the fact who to the speaking about the people who are saying we want to play get less golf, but then they're calling in lawyers and such to get <laughs> the ability to come and play in DP World and PGA Tour events. So he was aggravated about that. So I, I sort of heard a guy there that you know still got his stance. He's a little conflicted as we sometimes always are because I'm sure you would agree and 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 I do at times. I'll wake up one morning and say these guys are aggravating to me. Then I'll wake up another morning and say man, what am I going to do if someone calls me up and offers me a broadcasting gig for a living? <laughs> and so so it's, it's not, I have my tech, if you will, but sometimes you just waver off it. And I think he was caught kind of at a low moment. I'm sure he was asked the question, asked the question a bunch and there's some fatigue there. But, but, but to your observation, um, I, nobody knows. Honestly, nobody knows. And all this conjecture, I think, as I've said before, is just giving this thing wheels. And it's like, well, what's going to happen? Should they? Shouldn't they? Whatever. And uh, let's just let the thing play out. Let's let's allow time to heal or do whatever it's supposed to do. And then we sort of get to the talks bridge if we ever get there. I, yeah. I don't see that bridge very close. I, from my point of view and from my experience and having spoken to one or two executives um, from the tour, 
I don't think that's anywhere close. Be that right would, or wrong, it's, it's nowhere close. I would have, I agree with you, and I would have thought that even, even more vociferously before Rory said. I mean, Rory has real cloud and power, obviously, in 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 the golf world and with the PGA Tour. So um, the one thing I do know, Mark, is we'll get a reprieve from all this next week, sort of, at the Open Championship, uh, at least for four days, at least Thursday through Sunday. We won't have to talk about it. But uh, I do appreciate your time, Mark. Uh, you can follow him uh, at Mark underscore Immelman on Twitter. Uh, producer Jacob at Jacob underscore Halix. And you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. We will be, ba- we will be back uh, thankfully, I will not be hosting tomorrow on Friday, but we will be back to recap round two of the Scottish Open and cover uh, all of that throughout the rest of the week. I'm heading to Scotland, Mark. I will uh, see you guys again from the other side of the pond. Wait, wait, two things. All right. Have you been to the old course before? Have you been to St. Andrews? First time. All right. As soon as you get there, because it'll shock you when you just see the golf course there. All right. It, it, it's going to be surprising. Now, when you go in there and it's not an open championship week, you don't see the stands and stuff. And all of yeah. a sudden it's there because it finishes in town. But when you get there and you see Market Street and North and South Street and stuff like that, just go and stand if you can, um, just adjacent to where AT&T is and look over the Swilkin Bridge and stuff and just take it all in. It is the most unreal place you'll ever imagine. It, it will be nothing that you're expecting. Um, I hope you've got an inside the ropes access because walking because you the, the the galleries just get to walk around the outside of the course. Yeah, you 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 can't get the golf course. The holes go out two by two by two, then they crisscross each other and they come in, and so the fans are always around the outside. So it's kind of hard to see. But if you're inside the ropes, there it is so special. And I know there's going to be a lot of chit chat about well, the golf course is old and the modern game has forgotten it and stuff. But there's so much strategy to playing that golf course well you can take the lines down the right just don't miss right you can play safely to the middle of the golf course but just miss those pot bunkers because i mean they're so cool and 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 then have a look at the names of those things it's so much fun and then when you're done with all of that take a picture of yourself having a pint in one of the bars over there and send it to me i will I'll be living vicariously through you Mark. i will definitely do that i i i don't think i've been this excited for a for a it's just it I watched the open championship documentary on golf channel on, on uh, whatever that was Wednesday night. And to think about them playing a, an open, I was texting my friend, Brendan pour out this to think about them playing an open during like the, at, when the civil war was being fought in the United States. And now they're still playing the open there. And you're like, man, that is like, that's, it's almost overwhelming to think about just how, how deep that history goes. So I'm, I couldn't be more excited. I will definitely take a picture uh, at the Don Vegan or wherever I, I have a pint. One more thing. Um, there was a question in the chat. chat yeah, the, there is a regular event that's played at St. Andrews. It's the Dunhill Lynx Championship in the fall. And it's the, one of the coldest events in the world's game. Um, just as a tease, I, I found this because obviously, I, look, I was back, I was there in 2005 and, and Jack retiring with a birdie on the last, I was there. Mm. Um, I'll never forget that. And then Tiger was right behind him, made a birdie uh, Friday afternoon, extended his lead and essentially just kind of cantered to the victory. He's second at St. Andrews. And so I was reliving all of this stuff and looking at some of the pictures my wife had taken and stuff like that. And I found this thing on YouTube that I put up on my Twitter handle, which was a beautifully narrated basic aerial 
of the golf course and you're flying over every hole and it names some of the bunkers and it describes the place. And I looked at this and honestly, I was brought to tears just by this, the way this thing was put together. So anyone who's interested, go check out my Twitter feed. It's over there because it is worth a watch just to kind of tease the thing for next week. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. And uh, we will discuss it all here on the first cut podcast. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.